is Will Tinkin. Thanks for listening to the Bitter Comics Comics Podcast. And here's your host, JT Foreman. Good job, dude. Can I have a high five? Yes. Good job. That's really nice. Hello, and welcome to episode 107 of the Bitter Comics Podcast. I am JT Foreman, and I am here with my good friend... Colton, the contrarian contrarist. How's Hello. it going? What's going on, man? What's not, going on? Not much. How, how you doing? Doing all right. You had a show. Yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for doing. Yeah, I'll, we'll, we will get into that. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing the podcast and yeah. uh, hosting it again. Yeah. Um, we begin once again with our opening segment. JT was a real prick last week. What an asshole! And which I apologize for the cruel, offensive, and probably racist things I said last episode. Now, this is episode 107, so for my insensitivity in episode 106, I would like to apologize to black people, gay people who can't get laid, women in the Navy who would have fucked me, all the people at Woodstock, and Pepsi. If you'd like to know why I'm apologizing to each of these things, listen to episode 107. And all our previous ep- or 106, and all our previous episodes at bittercomics.podbean.com. If you'd sub- like to subscribe to the podcast, just go to that website, scroll down a little bit, and on the right hand side of the page, there are buttons to subscribe using iTunes, Google, or my Yahoo. Or you can go to the iTunes store and search for Bitter Comics, and we're in there. And if you feel I owe any additional apologies or to make any comments, send us an email to bittercomics at hotmail.com. And in the subject line, please put. Preparation H, Creamer Suppositories, you're not gay, you're just weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I I, uh, I, 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 do, I know I talked about the, the hemorrhoid situation last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, last episode, and uh, I'd like you to know that uh, it's it's mellowed greatly. It has it cooled? Yes, it has. Nice. Yes, it has. Nice. Uh, uh, um, but uh, I, I was thinking about it, and I, I remember people... I, I was reading about this thing called a prostate massage. Whoa. And, uh, you know, a guy was telling me about it. It's, oh, man, it's amazing. You just, you know, it's, you just stick it up in there, and you will come like you have never come before. And I was always very skeptical. But then, once I got hemorrhoids, I bought some Preparation H suppositories, <laughs> and when I put it up there, I came like I had never come before. <laughs> Uh, well, because you have to adjust it for a while to get it into the right position. That's oh, disgusting. They say. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's it going, Nick? How you doing, Nick? I, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, unfortunately, Nick is not here. Yeah. Oh, one of your dogs you had to uh, relegate to the back room, and the other one uh, is is uh, it's kind of wandering around calmly a little bit, but uh, definitely wants to be involved in the show. It's uh, you and I are hit sitting here talking, and and uh, he has felt obliged to climb up onto the couch right in between us. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there are people paying attention to each other and not paying attention to him right now. Yeah. Which is is something that must be remedied. Yeah. Uh, dogs uh, can get very spoiled in that way. Yes, I, I do love dogs, but uh, they're too much work, and I'm lazy, yeah. so I would never have one. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like kids. Yes. You know, it's like it's other people's. I love them. Other people's kids are great. 
Because, you know, you fill them full of caffeine and sugar and you give them back. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, hey, diaper change time. Here you go. All <laughs> yours. Don't, don't have to deal with that anymore. But, uh, yeah, I, I have uh, seven brothers and sisters. Almost all of them have kids. Um, six of them have kids. The youngest one, she's like 25. She's not married, doesn't have kids yet. But yeah. all of, the, old, uh, all of the, the older ones, everyone's in their 30s or older now. They all have kids, and I, that makes me... The, but I do not, yeah. and that makes me the creepy uncle. Ah. Now, so, we, I, we've never actually talked about your family before. Now, how many... Say again, how many brothers well, sisters? There's eight of us. Eight of you told. How many, yes. which of which? Uh, the oldest, uh, Eric, uh, is a guy, of course, myself. Uh, then Jacob, Michael, uh, Sister Amber, Paul, uh, my stepbrother Josh, and then my half-sister Holly is the youngest. Okay. So yeah, that's the age range. Uh, my Eric, my older brother, is uh, forty three. Okay. And the youngest, Holly, I, I believe she's twenty five. Okay. All right. But uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a range there. My uh, first six are from my dad, my my mother, and uh, then uh, of course Josh, my stepbrother, is from my stepmother's first marriage, uh-huh. and uh, Holly is uh, my my dad and my mother. Uh, my my dad and my stepmother had a kid. Okay. She uh, she wanted to have another child. There were seven in the house, but she wanted to have another one. I don't understand, but okay. Maybe she just had forgotten what changing diapers was like. Or uh, maybe she just knew that, uh, well, look at all of these babysitters. Yeah, exactly. We have sitting around and we have no work for them. Yeah. Because the that's what older brothers are. Is ba- Older brothers and sisters are babysitters. So, uh, you know, what was it like in your house growing up? Um, crowded. 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 How many bedrooms? Uh, for the kids, total three. And Amber got her own for a while until, of course, my dad and my stepmother got married. And then Amber, uh, once Holly was born, they shared a room. Okay. But uh, so that ended up being two rooms for all the boys. Okay. And there were uh, five boys and then six once they got married. Okay. Which I, I I imagine it must have been an an aggravation for Josh because he went from being an only child yeah to being the youngest of seven. <laughs> uh, so how old was he at the time? Um, ten, eleven. I, I don't know exactly. At that I, age, probably younger than that. Probably a, younger than that's that. A rough age. Yeah, but probably a little younger than that. I was in uh, I was in junior high. He. No, he was probably like seven, maybe okay. maybe six. Okay. But he, he was he was pretty young. A little, a little easier then. Yeah. Wow. So there's what three boys in each room? Uh, well, four in one room and two in the other because of the size of the rooms. Okay. But right. so yeah, it was so which one were you in the two or you in the four? I was in the two at first, but my older brother Eric refused to turn the radio on at night, and I couldn't sleep. Ah. Uh. So I ended up having to. I. I he, he would not turn it off. He, oh, I can't sleep unless the radio is on. But I couldn't sleep with the radio on. Yeah. So, you know, he, great, he's sleeping and I'm up until 3 in the morning every day because he won't turn it off. And then finally I moved, I, so I ended up moving to the other room and, and uh, the next oldest, Jacob, uh, moved into the room with him. Okay. But, uh, I still think he was trying to get rid of me. <laughs> Now, how is the relationship? Do you guys all talk? Did you guys get along growing up? Did you guys fight? Um, we avoided each other as much as is possible. 
Um, well, at least I, they avoided me uh, anyway. So I, 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 I don't really know what their relationships with each other was. Uh, it, it uh, I, I don't know. I see. I got picked on a lot in school, mm. and that made it a nightmare for them because they're the brother of the the guy that gets picked on all the time. Yeah. And so it made their lives more difficult. Were they not picked on? Were they like cool kids? Uh, well, I, I don't know that they were cool kids. I know my older brother, Eric, was on the football team. Mm. And he actually, from what I understand, ended up getting into a few fights over the fact that I was his brother. Mm. Because it, it, someone would give him shit about, uh, you know, the my nickname was The Scrounge in high school. The Scrounge? The Scrounge, yes. Can we, can we delve into that a little bit? Now, why were you uh, called The Scrounge? Well, in junior high and high school in Clovis, uh, there's a 10-cent deposit Whenever you buy anything from the cafeteria, you buy a soda, you buy a bag of chips, whatever. There's a 10-cent deposit that you get back when you turn the wrapper in. Because they, they did this to try to cut down on the littering. Yeah. Well, it didn't work. Everyone, just, everyone was getting their money from their parents. So they just, oh, well, it just cost 10 cents more. And so I would walk around during lunch and collect those and turn them in for the money. And because I did that, everyone called me scrounge. But you know, I was I was kind of the you know the the outcast even before that. Mm. Uh, I, were you aware that you were walking around with like a gigantic bullseye on your? Oh, back? absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. But I I was always you know in in elementary school in in Missouri and in in uh, the in fifth grade I went to Mayfair Elementary in Fresno. I was the I was the pariah. I was the social pariah then. Mm. So I was going going to get picked on anyways. So I didn't see any any reason that the fact people will pick on me for picking up garbage yeah. would, would be a reason to stop. But the fact that I was that I was that person at the school certainly made uh, made things more difficult for my brothers and sisters when uh, when they were not the youngest one because I was gone by the younger ones were I was gone by the time uh, yeah you know they they got there but. For my older brother Eric, for my younger brothers Jacob and Michael, it uh, it didn't make their lives more difficult, which I kind of feel bad about. But I don't know what I could possibly have done about it. Yeah, you know, I I was a, I was a I was a dork, you know. Mm-hmm. Still am. Yeah. You know, I still I still like playing, you know, like D and D and video games and shit. So, How's your relationship with them now? Um. You know, I. Okay, here's what I feel. Okay. This is not necessarily necessarily reality. Okay. This is my perception. Okay. It's a cross between disgust and pity. Okay. Um that's like Eric uh Eric feels guilty about the way he treated me when we were growing up. Mm. Uh Jacob and Michael, the impression that I get and like like I said, this is not reality. This is my impression. Yeah. Is that they they are both disgusted and pity me. Uh, Paul. Um, Paul respects my unwillingness to conform, mm. despite all of the shit that I got. Yeah. I was unwilling to change who I was. To. Yeah. Uh, to everyone's standard and standards, and he he respected that. Yeah, and I I don't know what my sister thinks. Mm. Uh, my sister Amber, and then Josh and Holly. They were so much younger that it, it just wasn't. 
uh, you know, by the, by the time they were old enough where they'd be thinking about that, I was out of high school and had joined the Navy and was on the other side of the country. Yeah. At, at times on the other side of the world. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know that, uh, that they really, ha- that they really had an opinion. Wow. So it sounds like a pretty, pretty rough socially. Like day and well, day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, uh, there's a reason that it took until I was 39 before I ever got into a real relationship. It's yeah. because I don't understand the social shit. Yeah. I, it w- and, and I do consider it shit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, and you know what? I am not willing to. There's a thing I, I've heard this many times. This is not a new idea on yeah. my part. Uh, the problem with relationships is the guy likes her how she is, and the girl likes the guy that she thinks he's going uh, she, he's going to become. Yeah. So then they they end up getting together. She changes, yeah. and he doesn't, and they're both miserable. Yeah. I'm not going to change. You know, even if it, I can see a couple gets together when they're 20, mm. they get married and they start raising a family, and they're going to grow, and. You know, hopefully they grow together. Yeah. If they, they make sure they keep that close connection, they'll grow together. I'm, you know, I'm 42 now. I'm the person I'm going to be. I'm yeah. not going to change. And any woman that I meet within my, my age appropriateness is who they're going to be. And they're not going to change either. And that's the thing we would have to accept about each other. Yeah. Well, in your life, do you have any, uh, do you have like any one strong relationship from your that could you could say runs the course of your lifetime like a friend or one of your siblings or like a good relationship um a couple but they're friends they're not they're not a girl mm-hmm. they're not uh, um, a family member they're you know it's it, and often they're people that I haven't spoken to in years it, it might not speak to them for years yeah but as soon as I see him again, it's like, hey, how's it going? You know, we're just, we're right back to being friends again. Yeah. Um, my buddy Wade, he lives up in Auberry. Um, my, uh, my friend Steve Maurer. Um, I, I imagine it would be the same with Steve Miller, but I haven't seen, or, um, I'm sorry, with uh, Stephen Walker. But I have not seen him in like 12 years. Mm. Since I got out of the Navy, I haven't seen him. Um, Larry Jones. Yeah. Uh, he was a, a friend in, in Memphis. He used to own a comic book shop that I hang out at all the time. See, I'm dork. I like comic books. Um, and but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say those. Okay. All right. Which is good. At least you have something. Yeah. Well, you know what? When one is socially awkward, uh, there are others who are socially awkward the same way. Yeah. You know, it's it's not. There's not a one. It, there's not one way everyone is supposed to act all the time. Yeah. You know, and uh, so you know, I like playing D and D. Well, that's that is a very much uh, role playing games are very much a social activity. Yeah. I mean, you can't play by yourself. You have to have four or five other people. Mm-hmm. And so that means, oh, they don't have any friends. Well, look at them. They spend all night together hanging out playing a game it looks like they can make friends yeah you know so that is, I mean that's very true there's 
that's that that's one of the resonating differences between the generation previous of the internet and the generation after the internet is that uh, keep talking yeah people who may be uh, maybe socially awkward may not be uh, very good with interacting with people face to face before the internet there was very little you could do yeah yeah in order to interact with other human beings without being face to face with them there was this movie with Sigourney Weaver where she had agoraphobia and yeah. she spends uh, spends all of her time on the computer in chat rooms talking to people. Yeah. What would someone with agoraphobia have done 20 years earlier? Yeah, it was very different. You know, it's like agoraphobia means you have no human interaction. Yeah. Well, you think that's maybe where the idea of, uh, like, pen pals came from yeah, years ago? Yeah, probably. Yeah, like people who just, just constantly, random pen pals. That was the thing. Like, that was something, that's something that, like, nobody, I may be the last generation of human beings that know about regular correspondence through yeah. traditional snail mail. Yeah. Like writing a letter to another human being and yeah. seeing it, you know, through the archaic mail system on paper with ink. Yeah. Actually hearing from someone. Yeah, know, exactly. And, and waiting to hear a response. But, yeah, exactly. You know, instead of... It, you, it, an email takes 10 minutes for some reason because it got backed up in the server and you're pissed. Yeah. I remember when uh, a girl I really liked in seventh grade moved down to San Diego. I didn't know what her phone number was. And this is something that no one younger than me would occur to. So I knew what her her aunt that she moved into his last name, found her in the San Diego phone book, and sent a letter down there like, hey, blah, 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 it's me. I don't have your phone number anymore. I looked you up and... Yeah, blah 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 blah. Then Nowadays, she, if you do that, you'd be accused of being a stalker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be a, but that was normal in ni- yeah. in nineteen ninety nine. Well, I mean, how, how if you want to get a hold of someone, how do you do it? You yeah, know? exactly. And you know, just because you're trying to, but yeah, it, you'd be you'd be considered a stalker today. Yeah, exactly. The aunt would be like, "Oh my gosh, who is this creeper?" Yeah, one eight hundred FBI. <laughs> yeah, hello. Mm. <laughs> you know, so, um. So yeah, that's yeah, that's that's uh I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's weird. But the reason why I was asking this was it, the thought that occurred to me that in today's world with the, the digital trace that it, we're all leaving behind. Yeah. These forum posts, comments and all these other stuff. You in particular with this podcast have had, you know, over 100 hours. I mean, if every one of them was yeah. an hour, at least over a hundred hours. Yeah, of, every episode is at least an hour long. Some of them an hour and a half or more. Yeah, so anywhere from a hundred to two hundred hours. Yeah. of your opinions and your insights on different things. Yeah. That being said, in the future, it may be possible to reconstruct Joel Foreman. Okay. Because almost every parameter of your personality must have been covered. By this point in time, almost every one of your reactions to stimuli and just you explaining your thought processes yeah, a yeah. Hu- over a hundred hours, multiple times. This is what I think about this when given this stimuli. When this yeah. subject comes up, I think this way. Blah, 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 blah. Someone, uh, eventually somebody's going to um, uh, figure out a way to do true so- psychological profiling. Yeah. And they would be able to look at all of the podcasts that I recorded yeah. and put together a psychological profile of, like, you know, I, okay, my darkness again. 
watch Star Trek. Yeah. And I, there was one episode of Deep Space Nine when they were going to be making uh, another holographic Doctor and they were considering basing it off, off of Dr. Bashir from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And so the guy comes out and, and he says, okay, well, I got to work up a psychological profile. And that's what he's talking about. Is and I, I assume it, by that time it will get down to the point where they probably have you know a few hundred questions, maybe a few thousand questions, where yeah. you, you get honest answers from all of those, and you're able to to put together a thing that could then, based on that information, extrapolate your reactions to yeah to other situations. And, you know, build an AI based on your personality. I think, honestly, the, the reason why I said that, I, I was listening to a, a podcast with uh, Ray Kurzweil. Okay. And um, he's a, a futurist uh, from a generation before, a couple of generations yeah. before. And uh, He predicted a lot of the stuff that we have nowadays. He didn't say exactly how it was going to happen, but he said a lot of these things yeah. are going to be around. Yeah, but he was but, also wildly off. Like He believed that when the internet was turned on, it would become sentient mm-hmm. instantly. All that information would compile and become some sort of conglomerate of consciousness and mm-hmm. then become the singularity. They pre- they've been predicting the singularity for mm-hmm. 50 years. Well, everything is intentionally kept separate. Yeah. How the inter- how the internet is designed is like you have to you have to be able to access everything and, and yeah. So it's it's not just like everything is open and you can and and you can just pull it pull it all in. Yeah. You want to go to what you want to go to the New York Times article. You got to pay a subscription, put in a password, and, and yeah, and get yeah. through there. And, and but eventually someone's going to figure out how to how, how to do that. Uh, what was that movie with Johnny Depp? It just came out recently. Recently, I wouldn't know. Uh, he he in in that in the movie, I don't remember the name of it, but he was an artificial intelligence researcher, and he uh, he gets shot by some group of people who oh they, yes they, yes they yeah. killed a whole bunch of artificial intelligence researchers all at once yeah and he got shot and, and it was a, a polonium laced bullet so he's going to be dead in a month. And so his wife and he decide that they're going to try to upload his consciousness to this new computer they were building. Mm. And that he, you know, he uh, the first thing he does once he gets in the computer is start uh, figuring out how the stock market works to make money yeah. so that he can build a better computer to house himself. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, it's, you know, once, uh, once knowledge has its own... Mind, yeah. Uh, what's it? What's it? What's it gonna? You think? Well, what's it gonna need us for anymore? But you know what? What do? What does anyone need with all the crap they keep around? Yeah. You know, I've got twenty boxes of old comic books in my closet. I never read them. Yeah. Well, then you know what? It's not like the computers are going to come sentient and decide humans are superfluous and wipe us all out. That's not going to happen. Yeah, they're going to they're they're not going to have a reason to wipe us out. Just like I don't have a reason to throw all those comic books away. Well, the the idea is is that an 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 AI an AI's actions would be based on some sort of cost benefit analysis. Yes, that because a cost benefit analysis, as far as consciousness is concerned. Is the most clear form of logical reasoning we can we yeah. can reproduce. Uh, cost benefit analysis, just charting yeah. benefits and positives. 
expenditures of resources would be the only thing that we can really count on an AI considering in its yeah. cost benefit analysis would be the expense of energy and resources because we know that any type of uh, self awareness would also have some sort of uh, more than likely would have some sort of uh, self preservation instinct. Uh, with that self-preservation instinct, it wouldn't want to expend any resources towards anything that isn't beneficial towards itself. Now, what the hell would killing all of us do for it? Not much. Yeah. Uh, hang on, I gotta pause the yeah. podcast for a second. I gotta, I gotta take this phone call. Okay, sorry about the interruption. Uh, uh, that was uh, Matt Amos on the phone. Uh, 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 past guest from the uh, on the podcast, he uh, he's out at Audi's Olympic at, at their open mic tonight. Uh, unfortunately, he's not wasn't able to join us, but I'm gonna try to get him on again soon. But uh, okay, so, so yeah, the what would be the benefit of expending all the resources of, of wiping out the human race? Yeah, you know, uh, it's of course the the movie The Terminator. It, it, there's the fact that it considered us a threat. Yeah, but. Uh, I would be. I would imagine it's 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 interesting in in uh, in in culture in the West. Yeah, robots and computers. When you see them in movies, so often it's the enemy. Yeah. When you when you look at you know movies and stuff from say Japan and and China, you see that the robots are are there to to help oh, us. Yeah. It's it's an interesting. Uh, 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 view of of technology in general, yeah. whereas we we see we see the dangers involved, mm-hmm. whereas where where they they you know, seem to be looking at the at the benefits more yeah. more than that. Well, you can see it in their engineering projects. Like if you ever want to have like kind of a fun couple hours, go on YouTube and look up stuff that are just future tech uh, prototypes that are coming out and stuff like that. When you look at stuff that comes from Asian companies, it's insane. They they build things that. You don't imagine, like, like you imagine engineers in a movie would make these things. Like, they build giant robots, and they recreate machines from video games. Like, they make, like, Warhogs on Halo yeah. and stuff. And that's, like, their finals for engineering projects in Japan. Yeah. Whereas in the States, the finals for engineering projects are damn construction miniatures. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, very... Uh, it, uh, this again, yeah, kind this, of. yeah. It's like every every year, in the, your physics class in high school is going to make you design a thing that lets you throw an egg off the building. Yeah, exactly. You know, no one is like, oh, come up with something new. No, yeah. It's just, hey, uh, figure out a way to throw an egg off a building. Yeah, so that it doesn't break. Yeah, and, and it's like, okay, you know, I'll I'll just I'll do the same thing my dad did. Yeah, when he did this assignment when he was in high school. Yeah, and uh, Dad, what did you do? Oh, well, I just took a box and and uh, a, a long pantyhose and put the egg inside that and tied it through the center, and uh-huh. threw it over, and it just yeah. yeah. So well, that's that's what I did. I, I don't I don't know what my dad did, but that was what what I did when I had that project in high school. <laughs> but yeah, and there's no there's no usefulness of this thing. Yeah, it's. It's somehow you're proving that you know about physics, but it doesn't show that you know anything about yeah. life. Yeah, they do these weird miniature robotics projects all the time. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, you'll you'll read about something from Japan where uh, they made a, a a robot that'll tie your tie for you. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. tell it whether you want a single or double Windsor, and it'll tie your tie. 
And you think, well, that's ridiculous. I could tie my own tie. Not everyone can, though. Yeah. You know, my uh, my stepmom, she's uh, uh, she's partially paralyzed. She would not be able to tie a tie. Mm. You know, uh, so, hey, you know what? Someone might, this is practical, this is useful. Pra- yeah. Practically, this is useful. Yeah. Uh, for for some people, so. <laughs> but, uh. So anyway, uh, I had a comedy show a couple weeks ago. It was the uh, the first Saturday of the month. I do a show. It's in the big room of the Denny's at First and Child. First Saturday of every month. And the show, it, it was the kind of show that makes you wonder why you haven't stabbed yourself in the neck yet. You know, I mean, the fork's right there. What are we waiting for, really? Yeah. Um, it was horrible. Uh, I only sold five tickets to the show. And I must have given away 60 and the only two people who I gave tickets to showed up. Yeah. It was these two women who were already drunk, and then they showed up at a Denny's, and they're mad at me because Denny's doesn't serve alcohol. <laughs> and so after like two minutes, they got up and left, probably to get more wasted somewhere else. Okay, good luck to you. Yeah. And then the five people who bought tickets, they're people from my work. Now, as you know, uh, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I do data entry at the IRS. And every time I do a show, the comedian insists on asking the audience, what do you do? And the people in the audience don't want to answer because no one ever wants to admit that you work at the IRS because everyone hates people who work at the IRS. No. Uh, so, I, you know, I have to institute a, a new rule. You are not allowed to ask the audience what they do for a living, Period. I don't give a shit. I'll tell you what they do. Don't talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. They they didn't get come. They didn't come here to be uh, harassed about what their job is. Leave them yeah. alone. Uh, I honestly I hate crowd work anyways. Not only just because I'm not any good at it, which I'm not. I, yeah. I'm horrible at crowd work. But it, it write some shit. It, quit being so fucking lazy. Oh, I, I'll just look at everyone in the audience and make fun of them. No, fuck you. Yeah. No, write write your own damn jokes. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, uh, so anyway, and, and then because there was only five people who showed up, um, the, the openers did, did their set. There, I, I usually did uh, an opener, a feature, a headliner. So they do 10 minutes, 20 minutes and 40 minutes. This time I had three openers each do 10 minutes and one of the openers did not show up until 8.15. Show starts at seven. And when he shows up, he's like, oh, I thought the show didn't start till eight. You were still late. Yeah. The show started at 8... You, it, if it, the show started at 8, you were late. You got here at 8.15. Yeah. And, and he was not really mad, but clearly upset that I didn't put him up and, and told him I wasn't going to pay him. Yeah. Um, the other two comics, uh, one of them showed up a, a couple minutes late. You know, I, I, I guess I can let that go, but I shouldn't. Yeah. I, I don't understand why everyone... It, it, every show I've done... At least one of the comics do- didn't get there until after the show started, and that's starting to really yeah get old. B- piss the shit out of me. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, another rule that I'm going to have to tell all the comics: you got to be there before the show starts. I don't care if you're headlining; you're going up, going up last. You got to be there before seven. Yeah. And the opener, I want you there at six thirty, just so that I'm not worried you're not going to show up. You know, you, you are being paid to be here. So fucking be here. Yeah. Um, 
And you know, I have a bad attitude. Fuck you. <laughs> this is a job. I'm paying you to do it. Fucking yeah. do it. <laughs> um, and then the headliner goes up. Uh, Stefan Mintz was supposed to headline, but uh, he he couldn't do it because uh, it's October and he does some um, he, he does some haunted house thing every year. Mm. So he had to he had to work at that. So he gave me plenty of notice, and not enough to change the flyers because I had already gotten them printed when he told me. But uh, um, I got a guy named Mike Wirtz to headline, and uh, he spent the first ten minutes making fun of me for there not being anyone there, Ugh. and then spent the next ten minutes making fun of the pictures on the wall. Yeah, literally making fun of the pictures on the wall. I was like, hey, why did they frame cabbage? You know what? That's a good question. Why did they fucking frame cabbage? <laughs> Puts a picture of cabbage on the wall. Yeah. And, and this isn't like Picasso's sunflower or, or yeah. whatever, whoever drew that. No, this is just cabbage. A photograph of cabbage. <laughs> in a frame behind a plate glass. Yeah. Up on the wall in the banquet room of Denny's. But, um... Uh, so then... <coughs> Yeah, the show went horrible. Uh, and I'm still going to do another one. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I believe you're a sadist then. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that is the definition of a sadist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I Next show, actually, um, uh, Danny Minch. He is the only person I've ever had headline a show that he got a bunch of people to come to the show. Really? Yes. I, I sold tickets because of him. Everyone else, uh, not everyone else, but many of the others have said, oh, yeah, I know some people. And then they didn't show up. Yeah. <coughs> but uh, actually, the last show I did, Byron Campbell, he was he uh, he featured and he sold like 10 tickets. Very nice. Yeah, I know. I, I, I had made a, I, I had started making a deal with the uh, comics on the show. It's like, okay, this is how much I'm going to pay you. Yeah. But this is also what you can do. I'm going to give you some tickets. Now, the tickets are $10 in advance. So whatever you sell, give me five. Yeah. So if you sell them for 10, give me five and keep five. If you sell them for five, give me that five, whatever. Just any ticket you sell, give me $5 of it. And Byron sold like 10 tickets. Nice. Or like eight, I think. So the money he gave me back was what I used to pay him. And so he, you know, and then of course he got to keep the the other part of the tickets he sold. Yeah. But he's the only one so far that has managed to to, to sell any. Um, but uh, uh, I, I've only been doing that for for a couple shows now. I'm going to talk to uh, the guys that are on my next one about uh, and make the same deal with them. But you know, I I am not expecting to make any money doing this. It'd be nice to break even. Yeah, I I really I do I do it because. I, I want to do a comedy show, but it would be nice to not lose money on them. Yeah. It, it, it does kind of suck losing money on these shows. Uh, and then uh, the other thing that happened with the last show is um, there's a group of people from my work that come to every show, which I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Yeah. In fact, I, I started giving them a discount on the price. I sell it to them for $7.50 to $10 each. And so, yeah, I, I really, I, I really do appreciate that they have come to every show because I've always got at least four or five people in the room because of them. 
Uh, one of the people, she has uh, been trying to lose weight lately. And uh, I was told by one of the other people in the group that this joke hurt her feelings and offended her. Now, here's the joke. The only effective appetite suppressant is food. I don't understand how that could possibly offend anyone. I really don't. Unless you own Dexatrim and are making money off of selling appetite suppressants, how could you possibly be angry with me? Now, I have not had a chance to speak to uh, this uh, lovely lady herself. Yeah, Uh, nice save. It was just one of the other uh, people who was there who told me she was hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, So the next time I see her, I'm going to go and talk to her and ask her about what what really happened. But, you know, if she really was hurt by that, I can't apologize. I haven't, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. That's not, that's not offensive. And that's certainly not a, 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 a knock against, that, that joke is not an insult against her. Yeah. I, I'm making fun of appetite suppressants. Yeah. Because they don't freaking work. <laughs> yeah. If they did, I wouldn't be 80 pounds overweight. Yeah. You know, I I should be one I, I should be one eighty five. I'm I'm two seventy. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, uh, you know, I I I, I do this joke that uh, I could lose a few pounds, but I'm not too worried about it. I can still tie my shoes with holding my breath, so I'm fine. <laughs> That's actually not true. I have to hold my breath when I tie my shoes. <laughs> so I I need to lose weight too, and I get it. it and it's. This is this is going to sound really stupid, but the biggest reason I think that I have so much trouble losing weight is that I forget that I'm trying to lose weight. Isn't that stupid? It's like, all right, I'm going to cut back on soda, and then I'll be halfway through the meal. Shit, I wasn't going to drink any soda. Damn it! And I've already had two refills. Yeah. You know, I I realize how stupid that sounds. Saying it, I think it sounds stupid, but I forget that I'm on a diet. <laughs> So, there you go. Speaking of which, I'm hungry. You want to go get something to eat after we finish the podcast? <laughs> Actually, I'm really hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> and it's like 11.30 right now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like uh, I like those people personally. I, I know them from work. I like them personally. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't understand how that... Well, in what context joke. was that? Like, what was the joke that before, was it. before and after it? Uh, the joke before it was the headliner. He finished his set, thanks, and leaves the stage. And I come up and I say, well, before, before we go, this is one last thing I want to say. And I do that one joke. Yeah. The only effective appetite suppressant is food. Yeah. And then I, I you know, told everyone about the next show, thanks for coming, etc. And that was it. So there was no context. It was just a dumb one-liner that I dropped at the end of the show. And uh, I'm told somehow that hurt someone's feelings. You know, I, I don't... Anyone who gets offended by the comedian... Do, they re- do you really think... I'm talking to you out there. <laughs> do you really think that any comic goes up on stage with the purpose of hurting people's feelings? Do you really believe that that's what our goal is? Of course not. Yeah. We want you to laugh. Yeah. We're not up there. We're not. We're not all Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was a dick. 
You know, I, I hear people talk about, oh, the genius of blah, blah, blah. No, he was an asshole. You go, you go up on stage and open mic with a fucking alarm clock and a sleeping bag, and you go up there and you take a nap for 10 minutes. Fuck you. Yeah. I paid to get in here with a true drink minimum, and you're going to fuck with me? Fuck Andy Kaufman. He's a shithead. I, I saw the movie um, Man on the Move, Man on the Moon when I was out in the theater. And, you know, I could appreciate what he was trying to do. No, actually, I can't. I don't appreciate what he was trying to do. Because I thought what he was trying to do was shitty. Because he was playing jokes on the audience. It's like, there was. have you seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen the first hour and a half of it. And then I couldn't stand Jim Carrey anymore. And I just turned it off. Well, I, 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 I may have talked about this on the podcast before. So if I'm repeating myself, I apologize to, to the, both of the listeners. Yeah. But there's one scene where Andy Kaufman is filming his special. He couldn't get anyone to fund it, so he put the money up himself to film a one-hour special that he was going to market to the networks. And so he gets, um, I, I think that's how it was going. So he's got the, that, that cowboy puppet. Um, what, what was his name? I don't remember. Ah, uh, shit. Well, anyway, the, that puppet cowboy who had a children's show when, when he was younger, it has him, Howdy Doody. Howdy Doody. He's got Howdy Doody on there, and he's sitting there, and he's talking to Howdy Doody. He's like, Howdy Doody, I just wanted to tell you that I, I watched the show when I was a little kid. And I always loved it, and I want you to know how much you meant to me. And he had them intentionally put some error into the vertical hold. Those of you with new televisions and under the age of 25 might not know what vertical hold is. Yeah. Ask your parents. It's There's an adjustment on the television that would cause the screen to flip up or flip si- or sideways. Yeah. So he would put an error into the vertical. He had them put an error into the vertical hold on purpose. Now, when the network executive comes out, the president of the network comes out and says, "What are you doing?" They said, "Well, we want to do this." Well, why do you want to do that? Well, it's it, it'll be funny that because when it comes on, millions of people across America are going to get up and walk over the TV and hit the side of the TV thinking something's wrong, and then it's going to go back to being fixed, and they'll go back and sit down, and we made them all get up and do that. And so the president of the network says, all right, you can put in 10 seconds of vertical hold yeah. error. So later on in the show, in the movie, that network, network executive is in the boardroom with the other execs, and they're watching his show. You know, They're watching his special, and it comes to that scene, and the vertical hold happens. And one of the executives gets up and goes up to the TV and bangs on the side of the TV trying to fix it, and the president who was there at the filming starts laughing his ass off yeah (laughs) and that shows what a dick andy kaufman is (laughs) yeah it's only funny if you're in on the joke and he was the only one in on the joke yeah he was playing jokes on the audience yeah you're supposed to play jokes with them Mm -hmm. and that's why i didn't like andy kaufman and i think i that and i don't under uh I don't understand why everyone has such great respect and reverence for what a, his comedic genius. He was a dick. He was a bully, and he liked picking on people. <laughs> you know, I, I've noticed a pretty consistent theme with you is that you really have a strong disdain 
for somebody who subjugates another person. Yes, I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, I was. I felt I was mistreated. Yeah. So much when I was a kid, and when I would complain about it, the teachers and everyone who was supposed to do something about it didn't, and yeah. would often take the side of the perpetrator of of the shit. Yeah. And so I I do not like it. Yeah. When one picks on another. I, I remember when I was in junior high, I had a, a Nerf football I took with me to school at recess. I was just playing catch with people. And I'm walking to class. This guy, Joe Parker, steals my football. And he runs off. And he and like two or three of other of his friends decide that they're going to play keep away with me. Mm-hmm. And after a couple minutes, I was like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. So I go to the one of the learning director's office. His name is Renee Roddenberry. Uh, and he, he was the learning director of my part of the school and I said Joe Parker stole my Nerf football I want it back yeah and he says we'll go out, out, out outside in the hall and wait he calls me back into his office about 10 minutes later and he says well Joel your football's gone a few years ago I read in the newspaper that in, oh, okay it gets worse junior high 7th and 8th grade fine I had a couple of other run-ins with a Roddenberry. Fuck that guy. He's an asshole. I'm, I'm going to high school now. Getting away from him. Yeah. Thank God. That year, he becomes the principal of Clovis High. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me? I was so glad to be away from him. And now he's not just one of the three number twos. Now he's the number one at the high school. And I got to put up with his shit for an Olympiad. Yeah. That's four years. I'm very proud of myself that I used that word in a sentence correctly. <laughs> I had to put up with his shit for an Olympiad. <laughs> so, uh, a few years back, I was reading through the newspaper, and I saw an article that said he had died of cancer, and I'm glad. I hope it hurt. I'm glad he suffered. Wow. That's pretty profound. Do I th- seem upset? It's because I'm upset. Yeah. I don't hide shit well. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I still don't like I I'm not over it. I'm still mad. Really? I'm still mad. Why? I mean, I had... I had... You know, it's it's an impotent anger because there's no one even to be mad at. Well, I have... Anymore, but... I, I have a very, very almost mere image story, but at an earlier age, I actually did get away from the woman. Um, I... I've I've blocked some of this like out of my mind, so I can't even like give you exact details of it. But the vice principal of my of my elementary school, her name name was Miss Kaiser. That already <laughs> great name, yeah, oh yeah, Miss Kaiser. Kaiser, 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 yeah, K A I S E R. For those of you who don't know what a Kaiser is. <laughs> Uh, just think of a German with a helmet that has a spike on the top of it. Kaiser is a corruption of the word Caesar. Caesar being from Rome. Caesar being yeah. the name of the emperor. Yes. Um, uh, I, I would say on average from third grade to sixth grade, I spent at least three days a week, each week, in the vice principal's office. Um... I never went to my the way my elementary school worked was detention was during your lunch, so you didn't get a lunch. 
you would just be stuck forced to sit in the classroom and be quiet. You don't get to eat. Well, you get to you get to eat, but you have to go take your food to detention. Oh, okay. You can't sit in the cafeteria. You can't go out on the yard or whatever. Yeah. Um, from third grade to sixth grade, I never had a lunch, not once mm-hmm. that I can remember. I can remember a couple times where like. It was like some sort of foggy day, and I hadn't had enough time to get in trouble that day. Yeah. And so I somehow got a lunch, like those couple of occasions, but outside of those. But by the time, <laughs> after lunch, during the period before you got off work, you got in trouble enough that you were going to lose the next day. Yeah, of course. I made up for it uh, yeah. easily. Um, we're going to have to invent a second lunch. Yeah. Just to take it away from you. Yeah, absolutely. Saturday schools, uh, after school detentions, uh, constant parent-teacher conferences, uh, strict disciplinary student nonstop, just absolute, uh, often juvenile hall was brought up often. Um, uh, uh, expulsion was brought up often. Suspensions were frequent, uh, calls mom having to come pick me up was a pretty regular occurrence. Um, so I was that kid and, uh, I, I would, I would get beat up. And then someone would attack me and beat me up, and then we would both be suspended. Yeah, I've had, I had that happen to me often. And the explanation they would give is, well, you know, after there's been a fight, everyone needs to go home for a cooling off period. Okay, you know what? I, I can actually, I disagree with it, but I can accept that. But then, as the subject of the attack, why am I then given Saturday school to make up for the day that I missed? Yeah. You're now punishing me because someone else walked up to me and punched me for no reason. Yeah. Or or for a reason. Because it would be funny. Because it, you got to dare. Because, hey, look at the scrounge. I'm going to go start a fight with him. Yeah. I, I actually heard someone say that to his friends before he walked up to me and hit me in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was... And I... I I don't like it when someone. You're you're absolutely right. I don't like it when I perceive that someone is picking on someone else. Yeah, I. Uh, well, I, looking back on it, it depends. Like I've I've had arguments with people that went to elementary school with me about who was the one getting picked on. So I don't know if I remember everything correctly, but I remember myself being the victim of being bullied often. Mm. Uh, but I think a lot of. I've had arguments, particularly with one bully. One bully, I, years later, there was a big transformation. Like, if, briefly, this is a very brief story. Um, when I was young, I was a complete fat kid, didn't didn't play any sports. All I liked to do was listen to soul music and yeah. play with Legos. That was, I was a very weird kid. Hmm. Um, but I was bigger than almost everybody else. Yeah. And I had constant, like, play football, play football, play football. And it developed a spiteful hatred for the game of football in hmm. me. Uh, but by the time I hit seventh grade, the distance between me and everybody else was substantial. I was five foot eleven, and most of my class was like five foot two, five foot three. Yeah, um, we're twelve years old. Uh, I weighed two hundred and twenty pounds. I was strong enough to fight grown men. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, the football coaches would just not take no for an answer at that point and basically force me to... You know, it, it, of course, you were 12, so you yeah. don't think of this response. But if I really did not want to play football and I was that big at that age, yeah. I think I would say to the coach, I'm going to hurt someone yeah, because of how big I am. And you're going to have to explain to that kid's parents... 
why you let me tackle them. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck with that. I was an order of magnitude larger than most yeah. of the rest of the team. I was, yeah. yeah, there was a few guys that were close to me in size, but there was there was maybe two guys in the entire school yeah. that were nearly as big as me, yeah. and both of them played football. It, it would be like uh, one of us now is an adult, adult tackling yeah, yeah, a 12-year-old exactly. kid. Um, and kind of a, a, a rebellious response to that, I started wrestling because I wanted to play a sport, but I knew if I played a sport that... that like interfered with football, they couldn't make me play football. Yeah. And wrestling seemed a lot better because I hated the idea of a team sport. Yeah. Um, and uh, from from there, instantly, just like every statistic you ever hear about in um, in Sports Authority magazines, confidence shot through the roof because I actually was good at it. I because yeah. uh, I was so much stronger than everybody else. I didn't have to really practice that hard. I was just strong enough to beat everybody. Yeah. Um, confidence shot through the roof. Got introduced to a whole social network of, of guys, started the basis for a small friend group, and then expanded. And I very much overnight turned from uh, a bullied kid into somebody that had friends and did things on the weekends and started going out. But the scars of, of being bullied never really went away. Yeah. And uh, going back to my original story, when I was 15 or 16... One of the guys that bullied me in elementary school, I just I just happened to see him by himself at a bus stop. And it was like the first time I'd ever seen a bully out in public since that time. Where And and at this point, I so many years removed. At this point, I'm six foot one. I've been lifting weights for like four years now because I've been doing sports yeah. pretty consistently. Um, and I had dropped a lot of weight. I was like, I was maybe 180 pounds, six foot one, six foot two. Uh, I was bench pressing like 350. I was... Getting, I was at that point getting into fights with grown men. I was a much, much, much different person. And so I was out for fucking blood. And I, yeah. I went after him. Um, but I wasn't just going to haul off and hit him. I wanted to let him know why he was going to get the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And when I started to fucking yell at him about what had happened, his defense was that I brought it on myself by acting weird. I was a weird kid, therefore I deserved to be subjugated so i can very much understand yeah well you know what yeah that response from him would make me want to beat him more yeah and you know that is that is, no that's not good enough yeah i'm weird so that makes it okay yeah fuck you yeah so yeah the uh and to tell you the truth looking back on it i don't know if i've blocked them all out or or what but i don't really remember i can't even point to one specific instance because I really do believe that I put up like a mental block and I can't remember any of the stuff. Right I can on. remember the emotions and I can remember like crying yeah. and I can remember that stuff, but I don't remember exactly what happened. I can remember like a few times getting jumped and beaten up on and stuff, but very like flashy imagery, yeah. not. I, I don't remember much of my childhood and I, I just I just don't want to. Yeah. Um, there, there are a, a few flashes of it, but you know, I. I, I just don't uh, I, I don't really know exactly what happened yeah through, through a lot of it yeah it uh it made all the difference in my life was meeting somebody uh, Mark Tatham was the was the wrestling coach um, and it wasn't anything I mean to, to like I don't mean to say this disparagingly but like there's nothing particularly uniquely good about 
what he did, I mean, he was just kind of doing his job. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't, he didn't give me any, well, later, like the next year afterwards, after I had been on his team for a while, then he started to give me special attention and talk yeah. to me and kind of coach me more in a life sense. Yeah. Um, but the first year I was just another one of his wrestlers. Yeah. Um, it just happened that it was the perfect personality. His personality, I responded to better. It was this kind of uh, oaky, no bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Pain is only in the mind, fucking, this yeah. very staunch. It's simple. It's a simple way to look at life. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. a simple young man's way, and this adult thought the same way I did. Was this very angry look at everything and all this other stuff. And he was so fucking charismatic, too. He was so fucking charismatic, and he was a great leader. He was very inspiring. And uh, I pushed me to perform i wasn't a good wrestler i was just fucking strong because i worked out hard and i was bigger than everybody else um and then after and then from the only byproduct you really get from winning is self-esteem and if you have no self-esteem then it helps if you if you're kind of like a normal person and you start to succeed exponentially at something it kind of turns you into a dickhead yeah but if you suck kind of initially like if you're in a deficit and then start to build it up, it, it kind of brings you to a more normal point, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, not to say I'm not an arrogant person, because there was definitely a period of time afterwards where I was very arrogant. But, uh, goddamn, I can I can say without a doubt, like, the idea of, like, going to Britain and having to, like, curtsy in front of somebody makes me fucking vomit. Mm. Like, I would never, like, any idea that somebody holds an authority over me. Yeah, yeah. Makes me like violently angry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that part of that is a, an American attitude. Yeah, that no, you're not better than me. Maybe you have more money. Maybe, but yeah. you, you're not better than me. you. Yeah, you started in a better position, got more luck. Who knows? Yeah, uh, maybe you were even born with more drive. Yeah, than I was. Uh, yeah, I'm. Yes, I'm lazy. Yeah. that does not mean you're better than me. Yeah, it might, it might mean that you're richer than me and more more financially successful. But I does not mean you're better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, because we are all the same. Yeah, it's a yeah. um, in a, in a lot of ways, uh, I think I think I could never never really succeed in any type of like corporate structure or military or anything that required a strict rigid disciplinary or or uh conduct code i could never really do only because if i have this very childlike attitude about if you tell me not to do something yeah it's got it's the first thing i want to do yeah well we're uh we're about an hour here so uh right on i guess we're uh that's that's it for today thanks for uh doing the podcast yeah Appreciate thank it. you and uh, um it's uh good to see you again uh, I uh, I guess that's it. Uh, I'm uh, JT Foreman here with uh, Colton Contreras. Yes, sir. We are the Bitter Comics, and I will talk to you again next week. Peace. Peace.